welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Thank you very much, big voice in the sky. Oh, we are back here on the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Big weekend of bowl action in the books. Barton Simmons. Man, I got murdered on my face. <laughs> I, I did too. Listen, I've never claimed. This is this is the time of year when Tom Fernelli should be blowing us out. And <laughs> I, I, I never claimed to, to, to be able to, to roll through the the Georgia State-Western Kentucky games. I'm just playing survival ball right now, trying to get to some big-name teams that I can eyeball. Um, so, no, that that was not a good weekend for me either. No, I, I, I just couldn't help but, um, you know, whether it was Marshall showing up with a really strong performance. Like, it, I, it almost was game by game where even if I wasn't uh, – like, if I was not totally off – on the pick i was at least slightly off on the way the game was going to play out like these these certainties that i was believing in going into the weekend like oh oh no marshall showed up okay i'm in trouble (laughs) (laughs) this isn't gonna work out quite like i expected this is like anti-season you're just supposed to look at it and and whatever like direction you think you're supposed to go (laughs) probably go opposite Uh, but that's good they could, from moving forward, they can fade our early picks. Right. You know, feel free to fade us for the next two weeks, and then once we get into late December, you know, January first games, then uh, or, or December thirty first, whenever the big ones are, uh, then you can start taking our, you know, flipping the switch and and uh, picking with us instead of against us. I'm gonna be so rock solid on my. Uh on my playoff picks like you know this this weekend was like the beginning of you know christmas parties and and, uh, celebratory social stuff like i feel like i've given my college football playoff expert picks breakdown 20 times already to people i know i know know. yeah we're 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 going to like workshop them throughout the the next few weeks and then finally when it comes time but the problem is i don't even have a strong leans like i'm still going Every every other day, I'm switching my lean one way or the other. So I'm just going to keep on workshopping both sides, feel which side is a stronger uh, a, a stronger argument, and then uh, eventually I'll be ready. Yeah, it's going to end up like being my uncle Billy is the one that like locks me in when I see his reaction to my take. I'm like, ah, oh, okay, that's the one. <laughs> there we right. go. Right. Uh, this is a right, big big week uh, for 24/7 Sports. Big week uh, for you. Big week for our guest Steve Wiltfong, who will join us in just a second. It's the early signing period um you know i i asked steve this at the the start of the the you know does this feel uh like a signing day week uh or did it catch you off guard probably like it has uh put some head coaches in a bind as well steve i don't know if steve was being sarcastic about saying he's he's got an open day today like i my i've blown up today with like it, it I'm, I'm booked solid here for the next four hours with just sort of media stuff which is surprising i don't maybe i just caught it caught caught a wave right now and, and i'll be bored for the rest of the week but um it seems like people are starting to warm up to this thing as being something that everybody wants to, wants a piece of so uh i think it'll be a busy week and i think this year this wednesday will be a busy wednesday a, a fun wednesday um we might be a year away from like the common football fan really dialing in to this day but i think by next year it'll be it'll be mainstream but but certainly there's gonna be a lot of action this week uh 
December twentieth, yeah, twenty second, Wednesday to Friday. Um, we, we you've got uh, a good amount of content you'll be putting together too. You want to promo any of that? Yeah, I've got uh, – so today's Monday. We'll have a sort of a primer for the week on CBS uh, with sort of all the, the co- big-name commits to keep an eye on over the next few days. Um, we'll have a couple other pieces over the course of the week on CBS. Um, uh, 24-7, man, there's going to be all kinds of stuff from me and, and, and Will Fong and um, Brandon Huffman and Biggins and all the, all the guys over on the 24-7 sports team. And then obviously – you know, it's just a great week to dive into the message boards and, and uh, <laughs> check, check out those VIP posts because it's all uh, all back channel communication these days. You don't get a whole lot of um, not, not a lot of like straightforward, uh, no holes bar. Like the, the the quotes from kids are are uh, there. There's not a lot of um, candidness at this point in the process. So uh, you got to get on those message boards and figure out what's really going on. Get, get, get you that VIP so that you can uh, get in there for the, the Rusty Mansell tidbits that he's, right. uh, he's got. Hey, follow the visits. It was a big, right. it was a big visit weekend. <laughs> uh, news, news breaking right now. Justin Fields looks like uh, after, after, you know, the, the, we talked about the quarterback position at Georgia, which now looks so different with uh, with Jake Fromm. And uh, you know, I, I even got some response to, "I wonder what Georgia fans would take uh, the national championship, but losing Justin Fields or getting Justin Fields, a player who can lead you to a national championship." Um, he's. It looks like he's going to be locking in with the Bulldogs for sure. Uh, you any any reaction to that one? I mean, I, I I'm not surprised because that's just the way it's it's been trending but right. man that's just amazing that that's happening like that this kid who's getting who's getting hit on by Jimbo Fisher one of the best quarterback developers out there uh Dan Mullen who would be you know perfect for his skill set he would start day one at Florida right yeah immediately like he would be uh he would be thrown into and he'd have a good yeah I'm, I'm with you and then Willie and then Willie, Willie Taggart, Taggart at Florida State where he's he would be a great fit for what Willie Taggart likes to do offensively the fact that Kirby Smart has has kept him, uh, kept the the blinders on throughout all that, and, and kept him committed, is is amazing. Given what he's going to walk into, because if, if Jake Fromm goes to win a national title, which is very possible, there's there's no way he wins that starting job next year. And so, um, man, that that's probably the most impressive recruiting win I can remember in a long, long time. If if that plays out as we expect, but you know who knows. We'll, We'll we'll see if the we'll see the pin hit paper on Wednesday. All right, uh, let's go ahead and throw to it, Steve Wiltfong from twenty four seven. Yeah. Just by the way, this Steve Wiltfong, my guy here, he is. If you've like spent a day on the road with Steve or like stayed in a hotel room with him on the road somewhere, like this dude's on the phone nonstop. He is the most connected, hardest working guy in the business. There's no staff in the country he can't call and get an answer from. Um, so it's, it's always good to get insight from Steve. Oh, bro. It is incredible. <laughs> like he, he got news about of a commitment in the middle of this conversation. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah, yeah. If he, if he goes, if he goes silent, it's just like, trust me, it was worth it. All right. Here's our conversation from, uh, just a little bit ago with Steve Wilfong. And now is our pleasure to welcome to the 24 seven sports college football podcast, Steve Wilfong recruiting expert. 24-7 Sports. Steve, uh, great to hear from you again. Obviously, you and Barton have had a long uh, working relationship together, building the 24-7 Sports empire. Uh, I know you and I did some National Signing Day stuff in Fort Lauderdale a while ago. This is a busy time as we speak here on Monday morning, uh, right just a few days away from the first 
early signing period in college football, uh, do you, are, are you automatically like in a national signing day? Like, are, are you trying to have a February mentality, a January, February mentality in December right now? Well, I think you have to, because this is the, the signing day now, in my opinion, I think we're going to see 80% of the entire class signed 90% of the kids already committed to power five schools signed. I'm not quite sure what's going to happen in that group of five category, but the coaches and, and people I talk to from that realm, uh, they believe a lot of their kids are going to sign. So you, you saw how all these prospects moved up their official visits to put themselves in position to sign, not everybody, but most of them. And so this has become your signing day, in my opinion. Now there'll certainly be some excitement in February. There'll be some big names out there, but that's, uh, that's going to be more or less your close. These power five programs are going to be about done on December 15th or December 20th. We had uh, Rick Neuheisel on uh, the podcast, and we asked him just in, in a lot of coaching topics, coaching carousel, and he said that the early signing period has made December the multitasking Olympics of the United States for coaches in college football, uh, assistant coaches and head coaches. And so you've been talking to uh, a lot of these coaches. What has been some of their reaction uh, from the way these last couple weeks and uh, this whole process has unfolded this fall? Well, certainly the programs that had to play for conference championships and then uh, play in early bowl games or even just get ready for bowl games, I don't don't think they like – I didn't talk to one coach that liked the early signing day. And then on the flip side of it, and I didn't really talk to kids, but, hell, the Texas State playoffs are still going on. The California State playoffs are going on. The early signing day to me, we college football did not need one, and they certainly did not need one in the middle of December where there's all kinds of stuff still going on. And and I understand that um, some folks have tweeted that these college coaches are well compensated to to multitask, but they they still have a job to do, and and the timing of it is, is horrendous. You know, another thing that I I actually noticed, Steve. I don't know if you've come across this either, but like the the sort of power five schools that are maybe a notch below in the in the food chain from like the the teams that are typically in the top 10 of the recruiting rankings the teams that are con- typically competing for playoff uh, bids those schools are are al- almost like flying under the radar here and, and they don't have to fight and scrape as much for their commits as they would in late January so almost like those schools are 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 benefiting from this because the Power Five schools don't know if yet that they have to kind of go down to that next tier of, of, of kids on their list and try to poach from those sort of second-tier Power Fives. Is that something you've kind of come across too, Steve? Yeah, but I also think maybe that's because their top targets have also pushed up their decision timeline, so they're still right. hoping that they're going to land those big fish or there's those plan A targets on their board. I wonder how much back channeling is going on right now. And we'll see, this is our first ever early signing period where there, I wonder how many coaches are telling kids not to sign right now that are, are, they don't have an offer yet, but they're, they're in the mix for one. And and we'll find out here in 48 hours. And I almost think too, like the, it's particularly the new coaches that just had a short period of time to, to work before this national, for this early signing period hits. I would think those guys, their biggest priority right now is not landing commits, but just convincing guys to hold off until February. But yet another reason why um, the early signing period, the timing of it um, was not good because you get a Jeremy Pruitt who just gets hired or a Chad Morris who just gets hired. 
and they don't have any time to really work on, on this recruiting class where they would at least have had December and January to get to know a young man and, and then get them to come to campus in January and, and provide a potential opportunity. Plus I just liked one date Barton where, where they, where a kid was going to have all the information. So right. if he was going to, if he was committed to a mid-major program, uh, there was going to be one date where he would know, even if it was in the final hours, hey, I'm going to get that Power 5 offer or that uh, less prestigious Power 5 kid, he was going to get that offer from in-state U or dream state U. Now he signs his letter in intent, never knowing. And, and right. so um, it, it'll be interesting after the signing day because there will be some kids out there that, that, that don't sign that maybe uh, – the recruitment, their recruitment is going to absolutely blow up because there's going to be less prospects out. It's going to be really competitive in January for the remaining names still out there. We're going to, yeah, I, I think we're going to see some guys who would otherwise be like mid kind of anonymous three stars that become like the hottest priorities in the country, uh, just based on the limited number of uncommitted guys available um, come January. I agree. So, um, let's get into a little bit of the specifics for Wednesday um, and Wednesday through Friday, I guess. So, like, let's kind of look back. Let's assume we're talking on Friday. What, what are going to be the big headlines, you think, from the period? Um, Clemson's big close, is that the biggest thing to watch here? What, what are you really keeping your eye on here coming up for, uh, for the next few days? Well, I'm excited to watch Clemson and Georgia uh, down the stretch. They, they both are in on a, on a lot of big fish. Micah Parsons. Does he go back around and pick Penn State? I, I think he does. Penn State has a top five class. Justin Fields announcing that he's signing. That's I'm so glad he did that, Barton. <laughs> you know how it is. Down the you just want to cross off storylines so you can just move on to the next thing. And uh, Justin Fields, I saw. I, I didn't. I think it might have been Kip Adams who reported it, or someone reported that. Fields was focused on his rehab and not focused on signing. And, I, you know, that, an answer like that, it just makes you think, all right, <laughs> we're going to go. a little bit. <laughs> all right, exactly. Because signing takes 10 seconds. You don't have to focus on signing, yeah. you know. And, and so uh, I, I'm glad Fields is in for Georgia. Jamari Salyer is going to sign on the 20th. There was some talk that maybe he wouldn't sign and, and then take a visit to Clemson, which certainly would have, would have made things interesting. Um, LSU, they've been recruiting Terrace Marshall, the the 24/7 Sports Composite number one ranked receiver uh, for years, and, and he's a not, he's closing this early signing period on the 22nd with his commitment. So those are some things I I have my eye on right now. I wonder if there'll be a young man that uh, just surprises us and, and sends in his letter of intent that that's not even on our radar as an early signing guy. Penne Sewell is another uh, young man, uh, top 50 uh, composite player out of Utah. Does he go to Alabama? Does he go to Oregon? Um, Oregon's clothes interest me because uh, they kept some of their heavy hitter recruiters on staff. Obviously, their head coach, Coach Cristobal, one of them, Marcus Arroyo. So, um, Buki Radley-Hiles, I like Oklahoma there. Um, I could I could ramble on and on. Let's 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 go. Let's stick with Clemson here for a second. So. Um, just for the for the listeners out there, kind of just checking in on the signing day stuff. Clemson right now, and and Steve, jump in if 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 I, I miss mess this up here. But I, as I, as I see it, Clemson could land um, 
Jamari Stallier, the number one offensive guard in the country. Jackson Carmen, the number one offensive tackle in the country. Cade Mays, the number two offensive tackle in the country. And KJ Henry. Uh, I don't know where we have him ranked, but one of the top def- one of the top defensive ends in the country. They could finish with those four, which would give them five of the top ten players in the country, six of the top sixteen. Um, what's how do you handicap that close? And and from your perspective, what what allows Clemson to to, to finish like that? Did you like, say what, Justin what, Ross or did you say Justin I didn't, Ross? Or Wendy I didn't say Jackson? Justin Ross. We we yeah. gonna throw Justin Ross in there too? Well, I think that he's I, – I, my 24-7 sports crystal ball is on Clemson for Justin Ross, and it's also on Clemson for Lynn J. Dixon, a four-star all-purpose back out of Butler, Georgia. Um, Lynn J. just took an official to Oklahoma State over the weekend. That's probably the one I feel least confident about. Um, talking, to, talking to sources all over the map, literally – for Jackson Carmen. I think Clemson is in the thick of it for him. He named Clemson his leader back in the summer and backtracked it. But Clemson, they do on campus visits better than any program in America. Yeah. And uh, they're just an innovative staff. I mean, that, that's the staff that got in trouble this year for having their social media team on the sideline in a game. Remember that? Oh, yeah. That was, uh, yeah. Right, Dave, yeah. Doran, Dave Doran wants to know why there's laptops on the sidelines. <laughs> All right. So they're, they're, they're always pushing the envelope with recruiting and, and coming up with ideas and, and these young men respond to it. And then they have a hardworking coaching staff starts at the top and then their coordinators get after it all the way on down to the off field recruiting team. That's bringing laptops on the sideline. Uh, they do a great job of connecting with kids and, and making them feel comfortable at Clemson. Um, just Sal year. I, I feel really good about Georgia. It had that pushed past, signing day then you're you say you, you raise an eyebrow Clemson was my first crystal ball pick for Salyer though so they certainly made that interesting um Cade Mays Cade Mays visited Georgia this weekend but I haven't heard anything to make me um think that it's not Clemson so really like Clemson for Cade Mays really like Clemson for K, KJ Henry um Justin Ross so yeah, it's going to be an exciting finish for uh, Coach Sweeney and company, and um, they they never seem to have that humongous twenty five player recruiting class, but uh, they always have a lot of star power at the top, and then their evaluation three star hits uh, without having exact data. I'm sure it, it goes toe to toe with anybody. I I mean you, I just look at the you know I I catch him sometime on the other end I don't always get to see him coming out of high school quite like you guys do but uh, just the fact that they're that's part of them being able to reload on defense every year like Dorian O'Daniel isn't that another good example of just a a good evaluation to player who's now emerged yeah, he was as like highly com- oh he, he was both okay. sides of the ball he played both sides of the ball for good counsel Army All American but those guys so even like you take about talk about a Dorian O'Daniel like we had him in the top 100 or whatever, but him and like, you look at this class right now, Darian Kendrick and, and Kyler McMichael, those are guys that could end up being the best players in college football at their position. When you look at their measurables and athleticism, we, we have them ranked high, but we don't have them ranked elitely high 
but they have a chance to be that good. What's the um, of you mentioned earlier, uh, Jeremy Pruitt, and you know some of the work that was going to be uh, challenging for uh, the new hires. You know, like uh, Willie Taggart lands at Florida State, has to uh, try to pull things back together. Um, you know, at Oregon, you keep like you mentioned Arroyo, you keep Jim Levitt, keep Cristobal. Uh, what from the coaching carousel stood out to you uh, as things that were most impactful on the recruiting trail? Steve? Yeah. Hey. Yeah, sorry about that, guys. Oh, yeah, no, so, no worries. What, uh, you get, you get so, your, you're reading okay, some so, text so, messages from some head coach or something right yeah, now. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, when you look at the, uh, the, the coach carousel, um, I think, you, unfortunately, I, uh, Arizona State caught my eye for the, for the wrong reasons, right? Yeah. Um, I just, that one, I can't take my eyes off it, and I hope it goes well, um, but. It's not, um, but it's not going well already. It's going yeah, very it's, poorly. It's, it's about as bad of a start as you could have hoped for there. <laughs> all, right, all right. So Willie Taggart to Florida State. You know, Oregon was in the top five of the 24-7 sports recruiting rankings. Florida State was always in the top five under Jimbo Fisher. I think from a recruiting standpoint, Coach Taggart's going to put more time and energy into recruiting Jimbo Fisher's your your uh, your your old school closer type that does a really good job with his message in front of kids and and, and all that. But but Willie's going to be your nine inning starter, your Clayton Kershaw type recruiter. Um, so Florida State big win on the recruiting trail there. Uh, Texas A and M you get Jimbo uh, Fisher the the name recognition the star power. He's added some assistant coaches to his staff that pound the pavement for him and, and put it up on a tee for him to knock it out of the park there at the end. So you have to like that for, for Texas A&M in that regard. UCLA, Chip Kelly, Barton and I have talked about that. that that's set up perfectly for him to, to be successful out there. And he's, he's a lot more famous now than he was even at Oregon. Uh, so his name, his name recognition amongst recruits uh, would be up there in that top 10 or 15 uh, with with high school football prospects, uh, I really think that Cristobal at Oregon and Pruitt at Tennessee, those guys are. I, I wrote an article earlier in the season that the the closers are disappearing from college football as these new wave head coaches get in. These guys that are going to have their sleeves rolled up, connecting with prospects um, from start to finish. Urban Meyer obviously being one of the first to do that as a head coach. Pruitt and Cristobal are going to be in that mold. Uh, Coach Dan Mullen, they didn't hire him at Florida to be a great recruiter. Florida's going to back into good recruiting classes with talented players every year. They just need to make sure they're evaluating well, and then Coach Mullen can do what he does as a coach, which he showed at Mississippi State. He's a pretty damn good one. Uh, Nebraska and Scott Frost, I didn't think recruiting was Nebraska's problem under Mike Riley. Um, So uh, they hire Scott Frost with his top-ranked offense at UCF. There's obviously a lot of excitement around his alma mater. Um, I I, I think that's a win for them as a football program. He's going to work hard on the trail. And his guys, they had a point. You saw how organized they are Um, a couple hours after being named the staff at Nebraska. The offers were going out. Adrian Martinez was their first offer, and now he's their quarterback commit. Arkansas, Chad Morris, he – He's a guy that uh, helped build Clemson into what it is right now, and, and he was one of those good recruiters and evaluators. And you see it down at SMU. He wasn't afraid to do, do some fun stuff, you know, be in a roadhouse video with the social media team and, and do the mullet up and, and, and things like that. So I think he's going to be a fun 
engaging recruiter for Arkansas, and um, he's got those Texas ties that, that, that'll help them. Um, Oregon State, don't really know much about Coach Smith. Just know that being under Coach Peterson, you probably can evaluate it the least. Yeah. And then uh, Miss, Mississippi State, Coach Moorhead, uh, he's a guy when you talk to the folks he worked with at Penn State and you talk to the recruits and the players, uh, he's a very, very likable guy. He's got some strong leadership qualities. He was a guy that did what he was supposed to do in texting their top targets and, and staying in, in contact with their commits and top targets. And then he had a front row seat to watch another one of the country's hardest working head coach recruiters in James Franklin. So he knows what it takes at the top for schools to lure uh, top 25 recruiting classes. And um, that's where Mississippi state's been. And I think coach Moore had to put the effort in to keep them there. And they're actually looking to put together one of the top receiver classes in this country. They don't even have a receiver coach, uh, Crystal Ball, another top two four seven receiver to them yesterday. Um, the Bulldogs, they're going to coach Moore. I walked into a pretty good situation on the field and going to bring in uh, what looks to be a top twenty five class in the Starkville. Steve, you've you Crystal, oh, go ahead. Crystal Ball there, Devonte Jason. Is that who you? Yep, yep. So you got Jason, Malik Heath, and then they got the Gidry kid, the number one ranked JUCO prospect. That's a those are some nice weapons to go with his his dynamic offense, and then. They don't have any question marks at quarterback. So nope. Mississippi State, they, they have a chance to be one of the best offenses in the country next year, that's for sure. Well, wow. and even as he gets his feet wet this year, and whether they close strong or not, you know, if they have a pretty good year next year, which they probably should, 2019 is one of the best years we've seen in a long, long time in the state of Mississippi. So as long as they get their, their get settled in before that 2019 cycle um, and, and have a good year as we expect, that could be – that could be a pretty good situation down there in Starkville. The, the funny thing about the carousel, though, like if he has one good year at Mississippi State and something comes open that's even more prestigious, he'll, his name's going to pop right up for that, similar to Jeff Brom at Purdue in one year. So it's uh, ADs don't want to miss on guys like Moorhead, and he's going he's walking into a sweet situation at Mississippi State. To, it did take him a couple weeks at Penn State to get that offense rocking and rolling, uh, but – it's his it's his show now, and that's one school that I, I definitely look forward to watching next fall. Steve, you've written – you mentioned something there uh, that I know you've written about. By the way, you can follow Steve on Twitter at SWiltFong247. Steve, you've written about the, the classic closer type – Versus what appears to be, um, I guess I don't know, is it like the the hard worker? Would it be like Urban Meyer on one side? Um, I guess what you were getting out there. Can you compare the two styles that uh, there have been and how things have changed over time for the head coach? Because when you've talked about, uh, you said Willie Taggart. You know, he's he's going to be uh, in there all the way through. Like, how have you seen that change for head coaches? So that there's these two different styles. Where Jimbo Fisher, as the classic closer type, you know, the results speak for themselves. You know, he was making Florida State a player on National Signing Day and the Knowles were often rising on national signing day, getting a lot of these commitments. Uh, I just, you know, your read on uh, those, those different ways to approach it and how to be successful as a head coach. Well, I think Urban Meyer, Pete Carroll, those were some guys that like really like elevated the head coach's role in recruiting. Do you agree with that Barton? Um, Yeah. Those were kind of the, those were kind of the first two to, like really take advantage of the text message rule. They put text message rules in place that other head coaches didn't want to work as hard as like Pete Carroll and Urban Meyer, if I remember correctly. Now that was when I was coming up in the business. And so I didn't, 
scrutinize all the rule changes back then. But um, Urban Meyer, Pete Carroll, those were two of the first guys to realize, hey, if I work a little harder than my head coach peers, I'm probably going to get most of the guys I want and, and because I'm going to have the relationship with the kid. And that's ultimately what recruiting still comes down to is relationships. You see the uh, – the uh, all the the graphics and videos and stuff that go out on on Twitter and social media, but it still comes down to to the relationships and and then proximity. Uh, proximity plays a lot in that. But these younger coaches uh, that had to that kind of earn their way up the the food chain also had to do it with recruiting wins and losses. So you're seeing a lot of these new head coaches. They were known as really good recruiters when they were when they were assistant coaches. So they're not going to change what they've done to be successful now that they're uh, at the top of the food chain. And so the Matt rules and the, and the PJ flex and, and those guys, those are nine inning guys, DJ Durkin at Maryland. Uh, he was a, a national recruiter of the year. Um, these guys, these, these young new head coaches uh, are in it from the beginning with kids getting to know their top targets and, and, and building re- relationships with them. So I think, you even see Coach Saban all the time. You talk about kids Skyping with, with Nick Saban. I think that you hear more about kids Skyping with Nick Saban than, than any other coach. So even he gets he gets it in that regard. Now, there are some head coaches out there that still prefer to not recruit as hard as others, for lack of better words. Um, but they're extremely good with their message when they get in front of a kid. And uh, their school also speaks for itself. So uh, there, you can still be a closer at, at some schools, but um, a place like Mississippi State, I think their head coach has to be more involved. Well, I, I've, I know you've had conversations like this too, Steve, but I, I've, I've talked with assistant coaches at, at like Power Five programs. They'll, they'll say something to the effect of, you know, hey, I'll ask, hey, how you, you know, what are your chances with this kid? And they'll say, well, yeah, uh, pretty good, but um, you know we're over here recruiting against uh, Ohio State, and they got a head coach that uh, works really no hard, and and our head coach didn't and it doesn't quite build the same personal relationship, so we're 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 a little bit behind the eight ball. So like that's a just I mean assistant coaches can even feel it like when when they're going up against a coach that uh, a head coach that really digs in it, that's a that's a huge advantage or or disadvantage if yours doesn't. When you're Ohio State and you're recruiting Georgia, Florida, and Texas, and it's not as easy for those prospects to get to your campus as it is for them to get to 10 other schools that you're recruiting against, your head coach has to be really, really involved to win those Raekwon McMillan-type Von Bell recruiting battles, right? And so Urban Meyer, he puts the time in necessary to uh, eliminate the, the, the gap in geography. Um, but if you, if you're in the sec, your head coach doesn't need to, I mean, it's not, it doesn't hurt him to be a nine inning guy, but it's not as relevant because the kid comes to your campus 10 times. He feels like he knows the head coach, right? Yeah. But then you'd see a guy like Kirby smart, who's then going the extra mile and I always kind of forget to mention Kirby, but he's as good and as dogged a head coach recruiter as there is right there, right now. And George is in position to finish with the number one ranked recruiting class in the country. It, it does give you an edge uh, uh, against your peers. Steve, have you mocked this thing out? Have you? Uh, do you have a prediction for a February? Who, who's going to be number one? Do you still think it's going to be Ohio State? I do. Um, I think Tommy Togiai was the recruit that really – uh, was the swing recruit that even if Ohio State loses Jaden Woodbay and Ann Emery Jones, 
and it's looking like they'll lose both. I, I messed with it on the 24-7 sports calculator, and I think even if Georgia has the perfect finish and Ohio State gets who they're supposed to get, I think they'll edge Georgia. But Georgia's in it, and Alabama's in it right now uh, to, make, to make runs at Ohio State for number one. So, so let's, let's talk Alabama close a little bit. What, what are some of your expectations either for this week or beyond? I mean, I guess, I guess more specifically this week, what, what, what kind of action can we expect out of, out of Alabama, do you think? Well, Yabi Anoma, he's a young man that I've had crystal ball to Alabama since February, uh, arguably the top front seven player in this recruiting class, a five-star. Our number two weak side defensive end behind Micah Parsons, I know we're looking forward to getting eyes on him as a as a product at the Under Armour against other elite kids, but uh, he seems like a heavy lean. Um, Brenton Cox, the crystal ball is pretty much all Georgia for him, but you never count out Alabama for a guy they're pushing for. They break fan bases hearts more than anyone when it comes to recruits that uh, you think you're going to get and next thing you know they're they're committed to Alabama Isaac Taylor Stewart Tyson Campbell Kelvin Joseph those are all guys that uh, fit in that Brenton Cox mold right now JJ Peterson looks like an Alabama lead Alabama's in the top two for Jalen Waddle they're near the top for Copeland Jacob Copeland uh, they just had Tyler Friday on campus this weekend Four-star defensive tackle Christian Barmore looks like he'll ultimately be uh, at Alabama, but that one's still got some time to go. Dominic Wood Anderson, some think is the best JUCO prospect in the country. He's at least an instant impact tight end recruit. Uh, it's kind of fun. I'm reading a bunch of names. Nobody's in on more blue chippers right now than Alabama, yeah. so they're gonna they're gonna have a big finish, um, whether that's now or in in February. But that's just. They're the best finishers on the recruiting trail since I've been at 24-7 Sports, and, and, they, and there's a reason why they've finished with seven straight number one classes. They, they close at a high rate. What's the name that is going to uh, surprise? Like, if it, what's the, what, what is the surprise player or the potential twists uh, that we might see? It feels like we get, we get one or two um, big time, either a, a flip or a switch or a surprise on the national signing day in February. Uh, if there's a player right now that you think might be, uh, might be where that happens, uh, where, who do you think it is? Well, I think Jackson Carmen's the guy to, to watch the 24 seven sports crystal ball is all Ohio state. But when you talk to sources around the Buckeyes program, no one's counting him, mm. you know? And then when you talk to sources around other programs, they think they have a really good shot. So seems like USC one. feels like they did pretty good this weekend. Sure, he, and then Clemson kept, had them last week, yeah. right? And so, yeah. so uh, he did visit Ohio State a couple times this fall, um, and, and it's closer to home. But I don't know how important that is to him. So he's the recruit of all the guys that's announcing here soon. That I think is the biggest that he could do anything, um, and and it wouldn't surprise me. How many of these uh, these top players are, are pairing and early signing with also early enrolling? So I think that's just your normal deal, Chip. I think that, um, you know, kids are early signing because they're done with the process. They took all their visits. There's nothing left for them, <laughs> you know, so they're they're over. But the I didn't see I don't think there's a but it's like those two things aren't in, yeah those two things aren't correlated like the 
the the kids that Alabama was going to have in for spring practice are going to have him in for spring practice anyway. Same with Clemson. Like some of these schools that are, right. that yeah. have moved their calendar up so that they can get these kids in early. The nothing about the shifting in the signing calendar has changed any part of that game plan. All those numbers are still pretty much the same. Yeah, I think it'll all come out. More and more kids are trying to enroll early than in the past, so schools have had to maneuver their um, their scholarships around to make sure they can accommodate that. But the early signing day isn't impacting that. With the, I think when the early signing period was was released as a rule, colleges then instantly moved, tried to push their timelines up without thinking, hey, at the end of the year – uh, we're going to be pretty damn busy with our football team still. And, and so there are more schools are bringing kids in for game visits or really trying to load up that December official visit calendar to be prepared to sign them on the 15th. And maybe it's because they thought they had to, because if they didn't, they wouldn't have a shot to sign the kids after because they just assumed everyone would be off the board. But I, and, and I think that's what's, I, it'll be really interesting to see how many are left um, when it's all said and done, but I don't think there's going to be many. And like you said at the start, Barton, some of those three stars are going to feel like rock stars uh, well, in January. And, and, you know, like it's so funny, like the NCAA is always trying to find ways to de- decelerate the process. And this was, you know, in some way, I, there was a lot of reasons for their signing period, but like one of the reasons was, you know, hey, let guys get done with it but you know earlier so they can focus on their high school the last month or whatever well another thing that i've found is like this december and january as coaches get out on the road because they've got their class so much more locked up they're working on 2019 2020 classes to set up then getting those guys on campus in the spring for official visits first time that's going to be available so it it just it, this is actually going to really accelerate the process even more to, to getting offers out to younger guys, freshmen, sophomore offers, um, speeding up the recruiting process. So I don't know, man. It's just another another factor that I, I feels like is not what the NCAA has been trying to, to actively do. But um, here we are, and we're going to have a, a, a much faster pace to the 2019 cycle. These rules were put into place because the ADs vote on behalf of their coaches, in my, from what I understand, right? So – so I think that coaches originally are like, all right, an early signing day is great because then we don't have to babysit our commits. We don't have to go visit them in January when we're trying to close our kids. So that's going to be a perk to this early signing day for, for coaches when they go back on the road after the dead period to recruit. They don't have to go visit all those recruits that are committed or are on the fence because they, they have them signed. But how does that – that doesn't benefit the kid. And I'm just, I just get annoyed when I hear that people are like, well, the kids are tired of getting their phone blown up. I know for a fact that if a prospect isn't interested, a college coach isn't going to waste their time. And let's be honest, most of these kids love the process. So, um, yeah. but, but, and, and then it just goes back to, to wanting one date um, for, for the kids to have all the information. That's the biggest no-brainer for me. But the college coaches are the ones – that their ads are are voting on their behalf of what they so they're the ones that have this early signing day put in place and and i also think that coaches um were tired of seeing their recruits getting flipped so obviously um urban meyer never wanted an early signing day that's not going to benefit the buckeyes and he knew that from the beginning you know but but a school like uh, 
a school like I know Brian Kelly's all for the early signing day, you know, and, and so, but it'll be interesting because Notre Dame's a school that's come around on kids in January and maybe a kid they like signed with Duke and they would have had a whole, whole month to flip that kid from Duke once they find out they miss on a top target, you know, and I just, uh, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see um, the reaction from these coaches when it's over. Maybe we're, Maybe we're just getting. Maybe we're wrong with our opinion, and, and most of the coaches are going to come out and say they love the early signing day. And if that's the case, I'll. I'll uh, it's still not fair to the kids, though, in my opinion. Nothing oh, drives me more crazy than when like Joe Twitter fan says, "Well, this is like this is great for the kids because now they don't have to deal with the stress of recruiting for that much longer." Look, if you don't like the process, if you're committed to Oklahoma and you don't like the process. You don't have to return any text messages. You don't have to host any coaches. You don't have to say hello in the hallways to anybody. You can just tell, hey, high school coach, I'm not interested. I'm locked in. And and that happens all the time. And so, like, it's not like you have to entertain this circus if you're committed, if you don't want to. That That's, that's a, a pet peeve of mine when people talk about, like, these kids can't get away from the process. They can. They do it every year. Most of the kids that are part of the circus love the circus, or someone close <laughs> to them loves it. All right, yeah. and, and and like you said, the ones that are solid aren't returning calls, and and uh, it's yeah, kind of kind of lost what I was going to say there, but it, it's it, the the kids the kids love recruiting, and then oh, my other favorite thing I know I was going to say is when people say that you don't want an early signing day because it's not good for your business. It's right, great right. for our business. <laughs> There's Give nothing better. Signing days. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, the more signing days, the better, man. I mean, what are you talking about? This is, <laughs> this is awesome. It's from a, from a work standpoint, uh, but for the kids, it's not good for them. I mean, you, the, every, all the new rules that are put in place in college football benefit the people that work in college football. All right. And that, that's fine. You work there. You're going to vote on your own behalf. You know, we're putting in rules at 24-7 sports. I want them to benefit Steve Wilfong and Barton Simmons, you know. But but uh, um, the, the, the one signing day was the most fair thing for kids because then they knew, all right, this is the last day anyone can bullshit me. You're offering or you're not. Right? Yeah, 100%. I, I think I do think that moving up the calendar so that we've got more sixteen-year-olds on college campuses is going to be a little bit, a uh, little bit interesting. But hey, those official visits—it's going to be. Look, you have million-dollar head coaches now. You have million-dollar coordinators or high-dollar. You, you don't get those jobs by not being an alpha male, right? And and being and so you're going to have these parents or, or parents and kids going through the recruiting process for the first time gets an early offer. Uh, from a, a, a mid-level power five school and those coaches are going to say, Hey, why don't you come take an official and come check us out here? You know, official burnt, you know, <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, that yeah. kid's going to end up being like a 50 offer kid. He's already burnt one of his officials uh, before he even knew he was a blue chipper. Yeah. Mm. That's a great call. Yeah. Great call for sure. He is Steve Wiltfong. He is a must follow on Twitter at S Wiltfong 24 seven. Uh, of course you can read all of his good stuff at 24 seven sports. Steve, you're the absolute best. Uh, thank you so much. And we look forward to following you all through the week. Gentlemen, your show is great. Thanks for having me on. Thanks Steve.